What's up, guys? I'm very excited for this podcast. It is October 5th, uh, the day before UFC 229, um, and this one is a special book. For me, it's The Life and Fights of Conor McGregor, um, also called Notorious uh, by Jack Slack. Um, I chose this book. Um, I'm not a huge autobiography guy, but I'll read them from time to time. It's not an autobiography. It's just a biography, but... Not a huge biography guy, but um, for this this case, I wanted to, um, you know, do this book because uh, Conor McGregor, love him or hate him, um, he is all the talk in the sports world, um, and he has done a lot for the UFC, and his story is uh, very inspiring, um, in my opinion, uh, from what he came from, um, and, and and what he's done for. Um, the the UFC sport and you know how he's put Ireland and and a lot of Europe on the map um, in this sport. Um, so I'll just I'll just jump right into it. Um, what 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 the book was about was um, you know all the stuff you could Google. I probably could have got a lot of this information within you know two to three you know pages on Google, kind of you know bullet pointing his um, his his career, but um, I still wanted to read the book and, and kind of talk about it. Um, the book also, you know, talks about during each of his each of his fights, um, the strategies that he used, um, and different different um, tactics that he had for the fights, and how he's had to you know change his game over the years because, you know, he just started out as a boxer, um, and you know sometimes he's had to take it to the ground and grapple, um, which he's been known for that being his weakness. Uh, like when he lost to Nate Diaz, uh, when he lost in one of his earlier fights during his Cage Warriors career, um, and and just some of those things. And the book does a great job. Uh, Jack Slack, the author, does a great job breaking down um, some of that. I will not talk about you know some of the ring strategy in the podcast. I'm more interested in um, you know t- talking to you guys about um, his. His, his journey and where he came from. Um, you know, as a, as a kid, McGregor had always been interested in fighting. Um, he was a soccer player at one point and was very interested in soccer, but he's always had more of an interest in fighting. Um, at age 11, there was a time where he got jumped by like six, six people, I believe. Um, and what he remembers from that fight is when, uh, when when someone tried to swing at him, he he shuffled his feet and yelled out. He did the Ali shuffle and then he punched a kid, um, but he still got jumped because he was obviously outnumbered, um, and that's that's kind of where the fighting journey began for Connor. Um, and he he started this training with one of his buddies, uh, Tom Egan, um, and their their coach John Cavanaugh. Um, but they him and Tom Egan really really started this. Um, Fighting in a shed, um, they learned they learned fighting by trial and error because out in Ireland, it's not like the United States where, you know, you know, for like for me personally, growing up, there was MMA gyms all over the place, and I mean like that for most kids that um, live in this country. There's there's jujitsu gyms to go to all over the place. There's boxing gyms. There's there's a wide array of of options for places to go in Ireland. You know, boxing popular, but other than that. MMA not really 
much of a thing. A lot of people didn't even know about it. Kind of reminds me of um, when I was 17. I went to I went on a school trip to Germany for a couple weeks, and the family I was staying with, one of the daughters was a volleyball player, um, and they knew that I really liked basketball and I loved Dirk Nowitzki. And when I was there, I went to her volleyball practice, and we were going to play basketball to like warm up for practice, but. And they have basketball hoops in the gym, but nobody there actually knew how to play, which was surprising to me because, you know, in where I'm from and, again, the United States, everyone knows how to play basketball. You know, if you don't like basketball, you know, you're playing it in gym class. It's one of the most commonly played games here, right? So that's kind of what I could compare it to. But even more rare because MMA isn't even like that popular of a sport in comparison to something like basketball or baseball. Um, so just putting that out there, um, that's kind of where it started. But um, let's start with the gym where it all started. Um, Straight Blast Gym uh, with Coach John Cavanaugh, who's known as the godfather of MMA in Ireland. Um, where, you know, he, he was also one of the rare ones that had taken up a interest in fighting um he had been doing it for a few years he ended up getting jumped once um when he tried to help somebody was that right was that yeah um he he tried to help someone who was being jumped um and he ended up getting jumped himself in front of his girlfriend and he was embarrassed um and he he basically like he had been studying like taekwondo um and instead of giving up on fighting he kind of changed his approach he changed it to you know street defense tactics of jeff thompson who's someone people should look up um something that's more you know more self-defense more realistic than than a taekwondo fight because he had been doing it for a few years and it didn't really do shit for him when it when it happened but um a lot of what Jeff Thompson's street fighting um, curriculum is based on is, you know, fear is not only inevitable in a combative situation, but it is a necessary instinct, right? Um, and and it's you know it's used for good. You know, you use that nervous energy in the fight or flight where, and, and the adrenaline kicks in, right? Uh, where maybe you get punched in the face, and I can I can relate to this. I I recently started doing. Um, some martial arts. That's another reason why this you know, book interested me. Um, I've been doing Muay Thai for over a year now, and I've you know d- done some sparring sessions, and it's definitely nerve-wracking when you get in there with someone bigger than you. Uh, well, it's smaller. Sometimes those guys are good, too. Um, you know, there's some fear, there's some adrenaline, and you get punched in the face a few times. It doesn't really hurt. You know, you get kicked in the ribs a few times it doesn't hurt it hurts after but there's that fight or flight in there that that necessary instinct that i think helps with a lot of that um so even as confident as conor mcgregor is there's still some there's still some fear in there when he gets in the ring it it, it exists in just about everybody um according to you know fighting coaches and people that i've talked to about fighting um but do your research um anyways uh, also, Thompson, Jeff Thompson, the street fighting genius, um, says that the handling of a situation is more about learning to handle physical abuse and keeping a cool head than a number of moves a man knows. 
right? And he, he teaches what's known as the fence, which is when you push, you know, when you get into a combative situation or potentially combative situation um, where both people might be experiencing fight or flight, you want to push the person's chest with your lead hand, um, and that should turn off the fight. But if the person re-engages after you do that, uh, then you strike first. Um, and so that's kind of where Kavanaugh's you know, training had gone. And then he was inspired by Hoist Gracie's jiu-jitsu. Um, you know, if, you, if anybody's a UFC buff and, and really looks back to the old, old UFCs, the very beginning of it, um, the first champion, Hoist Gracie, was this guy who was a you know, jiu-jitsu wizard. And there's a ton of you know, Gracie jiu-jitsu gyms all over the place um, now. But anyways, he was this dude who would, you know, get in the ring with these guys two, three times the size that had, you know, great martial arts skills as well, and would just end up getting a tap out and submitting them because of his, you know, amazing jiu-jitsu skills. Um, but moving on from that, Kavanaugh at age 20 became a doorman, um, like a bouncer for clubs and bars to put himself in more aggressive and confrontational situations. Um, so he was really, really, really just a student of the game and was really, you know, he did participate in a few fights, um, during his career, but that wasn't really his, his thing, but he loved to coach it. Um, and Kavanaugh's big mantra that you'll hear, you know, Conor McGregor say, if you ever, you know, look things up on YouTube and look up Conor McGregor videos, you know, or post, post fight, um, interviews, uh, he says, we either win or we learn. And so that's a huge mantra of Kavanaugh in Straight Blast Gym, Ireland. Um, but McGregor started coming to the gym in 2006. And that's when him and Tom Egan joined together. Um, started out with McGregor, you know, well, well, Tom Egan had joined, who was, who was McGregor's fighting buddy before this before Straight Blast Gym in 2006, and then he brought Connor into the gym. Um, and Connor, um, in a sparring session, dropped uh, one of the boxers, Owen Roddy, who's also a professional, in a sparring session. And then he dropped the first female fighter, and so Kavanaugh, to teach him a lesson, uh, taught Connor the humble lesson of ground and pound, took him to the ground and beat him up. Um, and ever since then, Connor was hooked. Um, and by 2007, McGregor had his first amateur MMA fight, and he won it by TKO. Um, and it was, in a, it was in a promotion called the Ring of Truth. Um, and then his first pro fight was in March 2008, and then he had another one following that in May of the same year. Um, and he started his career off going 2-0. And then he lost his third fight by submission to a guy who ends up finishing his career 15 and 16. Um, and the book talks about the necessity of adversity in all great fighters. Um, you know, where, where a lot of times fighters are undefeated for a long time. And then when they do have that first loss, like the real champions will, you know, obviously come back. We win or we learn. They'll come back to the sport. And some people, it's too much for them and they, they end up leaving. Um, you know, that was, that was a fear with, with Ronda Rousey and she, she's lost her last two fights and she hasn't really come back, but it was a fear after, sorry, it's Burt, but, um, it was, it was, 
it was a fear of, of, of many when Ronda Rousey lost that first fight to Holly Holm that she would not return. Um, and McGregor did not return to the gym for weeks after his first loss, and he owed Kavanaugh money for the tickets, and uh, no one really heard from him, and he just kind of, he just kind of was gone for weeks. Um, and, you know, moving on from that, Connor, you know, like any kid, any middle class kid or lower class kid who's never been around wealth or never been around anything great, you know, has parents who have regular nine to five jobs, maybe even longer, longer day jobs. But, um, he started taking his parents advice and started a plumbing trade in Wicklow, Ireland in a small little town where not a lot of stuff was going on. Um, and he was doing that for a while, and this was, this was, you know, obviously the inspiring part to me is, you know, he's doing something that was a ste- steady, stable income, and he said, you know, fuck this, he just left work and said, I'm not doing this shit, and he, he knew that he needed to become a fighter um, amidst his disagreements from his parents, um, and then he comes back in the ring in, in December of 2008, and he wins his first fight, um, coming back. Um, and he ends up with a record of four and one, and then he doesn't fight again until 2010, right? In, in 2009, the UFC actually came to Ireland, um, as you know, they were, they were doing a European tour and they, they hadn't really had much, you know, things going on out of Ireland. So they posted an event they had UFC come to Ireland and they put Tom Egan on the fight card, McGregor's. Um, first training partner, and he just gets demolished. Um, uh, you know, and it, it just wasn't his time. He just wasn't ready yet. And, uh, you know, McGregor, in hindsight, was happy that it you know, wasn't him either because it wasn't his time yet. Um, but, you know, during that time, that time off, those two years where he wasn't really fighting, um, he, well, he was still training, but he wasn't competing in any fights. That's where he met his wife, D. Devlin, um, in a Dublin nightclub, and, you know, she was there from the beginning, too. She used to drop the teammates off in, um, her shitty car that sometimes didn't work, and they would have to, they'd have to push start that thing. Um, what, what Connor says is she'd, she'd, she'd drive me to the gym, and she'd listen to all my dreams. I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for her. Um, anyways, Connor comes back, 2010, um, in his, in his fight for Cage Warriors, a, a European promotion, he fights a guy named Joe Duffy, um, and he loses by submission, and I mean, I watched, so I, I was able to, um, get my membership to UFC Fight Pass, where, and that's an awesome thing, I recommend that to anyone looking for, you know, more UFC action, um, basically has just about any archived fight of all the UFC fighters in their MMA career, at least you know, the professional ones that are on, you know, some circuits like Cage Warriors or The Ultimate Fighter. Um, and there's there's a few others. I haven't even dug into those yet. But I've, I, I went back and watched all McGregor's fights. Um, and he fights this guy named Joe Duffy and gets choked out, I mean, literally in like less than a minute. Um, and then he comes back and he beats a guy named Hugh Brady by a TKO. Um, and he won... And then, he, and then he wins his next fight in 16 seconds. 
And then he's got four knockout wins, and it earns him another shot at Cage Warriors. So these are fights that, you know, after the Cage Warriors one didn't didn't get televised or at least they're not on UFC Fight Pass so obviously they weren't they were even more low budget than Cage Warriors um so in November 2011 he gets his next shot against Aaron Janssen I believe is how you pronounce his name um he wins by a TKO and he comes back in February 2012 beats a guy named Steve O'Keefe um, and he's then given a chance to fight for the featherweight title versus Dave Hill. Um, and this fight actually takes place in Dublin in 2012. And Connor surprises everybody by winning the, winning the fight by submission, um, showing his rapid improvement in the game. Um, he obviously has been always, he's always been criticized for not, you know, being a, a, a strong wrestler, um, and, and someone who wants to fight on the ground but he ends up making the adjustments and winning this fight on the ground by submission um and if you watch the fight he jumps out of the cage and goes and celebrates with his fan club um that's slowly growing during his rise to the top in the fighting game um on new year's eve he gets the fight versus ivan butchinger um for the lightweight title um, he's already been the featherweight champion, but he gets the second chance to fight for the title on December 31st, 2012, um, New Year's Eve, and he wins that fight as well. And he's, surprise, surprise, the two-belt champion. Um, but the problem was, is Connor was still broke as shit, uh, still collecting social welfare, um, because Cage Warrior's not a you know, large fight promotion. There wasn't much money to be made in that sport. In MMA, you know, and he says in the book, it's either UFC or, or nothing. I mean, everything else is peanuts. Um, but Dana White was interested, and on February 3rd, 2013, Conor McGregor signed his five-deal fight with the UFC. Um, but even then, you know, going to the UFC, a low-level fighter would, you know, be looking at making something like $8,000, for being on the card, and then another $8,000 if they win. Um, but there were also performance of the night bonuses um, for any knockouts. And that's what Connor got in his first UFC fight, in fight night. He fights a guy named Marcus Brimage, and he knocks him out in 67 seconds. And if you ever watch Connor McGregor highlight videos like I've done a lot, um, that's, where, that's where he says, Dana! 60 G's, baby! Uh, and he, he ends up getting 60000 bucks for the performance of the night. Um, and then his second fight comes against Max Holloway, who at the time wasn't really a big name. Um, he's not the featherweight champion that he is now. Um, and they, they go the distance. Um, that, was, that was a really good fight, and Holloway gave him um, a lot of trouble. And the fight went to the ground a lot. And during the fight, Connor actually, in the second round, tears his ACL while trying to get out of a submission and he has no choice but to take that um, match to the ground because he really can't stand on his knee and do much damage and so that you know after winning the fight by decision he he goes out for 10 months um, which was a tough time but he he remains um, focused on the goal and speeds his healing up by taking it very seriously 
and he comes back to fight Diego Brandau in Dublin, um, and he knocks him out in the first round. And that was that was huge for Connor. It's huge for UFC. It's huge for Ireland. It's it's huge for everybody. And it's it's Connor McGregor starting to sweep, sweep. I mean, obviously Ireland and and his country. You know, he's building a huge following there, and that's that's huge for not only himself and his own pride, but also for you know UFC itself getting a more of a foothold in Europe. You know, England. England was one of the big hubs for UFC in Europe, but um, Ireland, where it's known for being a fighting country, um, is is very important that they had a guy like Conor McGregor representing them. Um, and then McGregor actually gets um, one of his bigger shots now, um, fighting against Dustin Poirier uh, for UFC 178, and this is where you know you can start seeing Conor more and more in the in the media. Um, when you get those press conferences and everything, and he he started stealing the show, he called a he called Dustin Poirier a quiet hillbilly from the back arse of nowhere, um, and really just you know stirs the pot and talks all this shit and gets people interested in the fight, which is exactly what you know fighting promotions want is for you to um, you know stir the pot, get people interested, make the fight worth watching. Um, and McGregor ends up knocking him out in the second round. Um, and then he, he even steals the show at the press conference afterwards, talking more shit. Um, and people, you know, he's starting to get that love-hate thing. There's no in-between with Conor McGregor. Either you love him or you fucking hate him, and that's what makes, you know, people great. They want to, they will pay money to, because they love him and want to see him win, or they'll pay money to watch the fight because they want to see him get knocked out. Um... And then it became somewhat known that McGregor, you know, he, he said it in, in one of his um, interviews that, you know, he did have a gambling problem and he needs the fight money uh, to keep paying for his flashy lifestyle, right? So he, uh, he, um, he but that, that's another thing and that's, that's something that Connor's also been working on is try not to be like another one of those fighters that you know, gets the money and then spends it just as fast and maybe even spends more of it and has more financial troubles than successes. Um, and, and that's something, you know, if you watch Conor McGregor and all the, all the nice suits that he wears, cars that he drives, all that kind of stuff, um, he, he does definitely live a flashy lifestyle. Um, but moving on from that, in his fifth fight with the UFC, he gets a fight against Dennis Seaver, um, an old German fighter who was completely outmatched. Um, it's almost disrespectful that they gave Connor this match. Um, you watch it and you just kind of feel bad for Seaver. He ends up going, making it to the second round, which is longer than some of his other opponents, but um, the dude just gets fucking battered this whole fight. Um, and then after the fight, Connor jumps the fence and gets in Jose Aldo's face, who's the featherweight champion at the time. Um, and he, you know, Aldo, book does a whole little background thing on Aldo and where he came from. Um, and he had been 10 years, for 10 years he'd been undefeated. Um, and they were set to fight for UFC 183. They went on a world tour where Connor just talked massive amounts of shit. You know, stole Jose's belt off the table and dangled it over him. Um, it's hilarious. Um, but what ends up happening is Aldo gets hurt. You know, days before the 
or a couple weeks before the fight and pulls out off the card. And Connor ends up fighting Chad Mendez, who, you know, the fight before had fought Aldo for the belt and lost by split decision. And it was arguable that Chad had won that fight. So, you know, it was a, it was a big, it's still a big matchup. And um, the odds seemed like they might still be against McGregor because Mendez is a fantastic wrestler. Um, and he showed that in the fight. Um, but Connor ends up wearing him down and uh, knocks him out in the second round to become the interim featherweight champion, um, you know, is still controversial just because he, you know, didn't beat Aldo, who's the true champion. Um, and Connor then joins the ultimate fighter with Uriah Faber. Um, the show had been struggling for some time. If for those of you who don't know, it's a, it's a reality show where, you know, two coaches have about eight guys on each team where they, you know, fight tournament style, you know, not all in one day, but they fight, and, um, you know, there's a winner who ends up getting a six-figure contract with the UFC, and then the coaches usually fight at the end of the season. They did not do that for this. Uriah Faber was, would be no match for Conor McGregor, and he was at the end of his career, so they didn't have that, but what happened was there was a 21% growth, you know, in the show's viewership during this season, um, obviously because of Conor McGregor, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's the person that people want to see, right, um, and in this time, too, um, Dana White had realized that people want to pay money to see good-looking people fight, um, you know, and, and started the, the reality show Dana White looking for a fight, um, sexy people sell fights, um, that's where they ended up signing Sage Northcutt, um, a really good-looking California kid, um, and all of a sudden he gets a $40,000 contract to, to be in a fight, which pissed a lot of people off, but um, all of this kind of stuff had been happening because Conor McGregor was, was shaking things up. Um, you know, he ends up, then he ends up getting his fight at UFC 194 versus Aldo, and, you know, the UFC, whether they say it or not, definitely wanted McGregor to win this fight. They he was the guy who was selling a lot of their stuff. He was the guy making it promotional, you know, even though Aldo had been, you know, 10 years undefeated. And this, you know, this is coming from me, someone who's a sports fan, but not was not heavily involved in the UFC, didn't know much about it. Um, I had no idea who the fuck Jose Aldo was or how good he really was. Um, I just knew Conor McGregor because I started watching The Ultimate Fighter and was like, oh, this Conor McGregor guy has a, has a big mouth. He's fucking hilarious. Um, but I wasn't a fan yet. Um, and then, you know, 194 comes out, and he knocks him out in 12 seconds. And, you know, the, the trash talk that Connor, you know, did before this fight might have been a big reason for that for that win. Um, a lot of people say, because Jose Aldo is known for being a guy who kind of sits back and lets the fight come to him, but he took the fight right to Connor's. Uh, swung, missed, and got, well, he actually, he did clip him pretty good, but not enough to knock him out, and while his punch clipped Connor, Connor's punch knocked him out, um, and, and so now, now Connor is the undisputed featherweight champion of the world, and now he wants to do, just like he did in Cage Wars, go right for that lightweight title, while he's got all the fans, you know, on his side, whether they love him or hate him, they want to see McGregor fight. Um, and so 
Conor McGregor set to fight Rafael Dos Anjos for the lightweight championship of the world. Um, Dos Anjos, not as much of a talker, just kind of sat there stoically during the press conferences, didn't say much, even though Conor was talking shit. Um, but, you know, what ended up happening was Dos Anjos gets hurt and we get Nate Diaz. And Nate Diaz, the Stockton slap, um, takes the fight on 11 days notice, and he's also the king of shit-talking, and so it was a perfect matchup, a perfect matchup for what fans want to see. Uh, maybe not necessarily a true, true, true UFC you know, fan or true MMA fan, but the fans, the entertainment piece that comes from it, the shit-talking that comes from it was fucking incredible, and this is really you know, what What got me into the UFC was, was the Nate Diaz-Conor McGregor fights. Um, and just all the entertainment. And that's what I'm fascinated by is, is you know, how Conor McGregor is and tell what he's done to, you know, make more people not just know him, but the sport UFC and love it. You know, my girlfriend and I, we sit and watch UFC all the time now. Conor McGregor's a, a household name at this point. Um, but it's pretty incredible. McGregor jumps from going from 155 to, you know, fighting in a welterweight fight where people are you know, supposed to be like 170. Um, I believe he's about 168 on the card, um, or 167, and he, and he fights Diaz, and he actually wins the first round. Um, but second round, he gets he gets taken to the ground and gets submitted and loses and, and kind of shocks everybody. I was shocked. I was like, damn, I thought he was invincible. I know nobody's invincible, but, you know, the way he talks is kind of that Muhammad Ali effect, which he's been compared to many times, which he vehemently denies. Don't don't compare me to Muhammad Ali. But um, that, that being said, he loses that fight, and then people want the rematch immediately. The Nate Diaz 2... Uh, UFC 202 um, was an incredible fight. Honestly, the, my favorite fight I've ever watched in the UFC. Um, these guys go five rounds and just beat the shit out of each other. Nate Diaz bleeds when you punch him, you know, once in the once in the in the eye because he's got all this scar tissue buildup. So he was bleeding all over the place during the fight, bleeding all over Connor, um, and they both they both got after it. Um, and Connor ends up winning by decision. And he's beat. He's beaten Nate Diaz, protects his legacy, and now moving on to bigger and better things. Uh, even though a lot of people would have liked to have seen a, a number three because of how good it was, he knows that for his legacy, he needs to go win the lightweight title fight. And he's matched up against Eddie Alvarez for UFC 205. Um, again, Connor was not supposed to win this fight. Um, Eddie Alvarez, a fantastic fighter. Um, very, very skilled, um, just came off beating Rafael Dos Anjos for the lightweight title, um, so Dos Anjos doesn't even get a fight Conor McGregor, um, but they both agree to fight at 155, and as the fight goes, Conor dominates Eddie Alvarez and, and just knocks him out in the second round, no problem, um, and becomes the two-belt champion, and that's where the book kind of ends, this, this book was written in 2017, so that's obviously early because it doesn't talk about the Floyd Mayweather um, fight, which is what Connor pursued after that um, and did not win, but I think he put up a pretty good fight for fighting, you know, the best boxer ever 
arguably, but I mean, record-wise, I mean, McGregor, Floyd Mayweather is, he's, if, if you're a boxing fan, that guy's fun to watch. He might not knock people out and do all that like Connor does, but he, uh, he's very hard to hit. Um, but anyways, he fights Mayweather, he loses, um, and then, you know, he hasn't been in the UFC for over two years now, and now he's back to face, um, Khabib for UFC 229 for the lightweight title, for the undisputed lightweight title. Right now, Khabib is actually the interim lightweight champion until Connor can take the belt back from him if he's able to. And this matchup is, man, it's got everyone talking. Um, it's it's a it's a fight against a guy who's 26 and 0, um, undefeated, um, a fantastic wrestler, like crazy out of this world gold medal wrestler. I mean, I've watched some of his highlights and some of his fights, and you know the way he takes people down is unlike anyone Connor's ever faced. So he definitely has a challenge in front of him, um, and I'll never bet against the notorious one, but. Man, uh, it's it's looking like it's, it could be a really tough fight for Connor, and so I'm, I'm very interested in it. The weigh-in just happened. Um, the press conference happened yesterday, um, and and I'm I'm just I'm hooked, man. I'm I'm entertained. I cannot wait. It's it's the only thing I've really been able to think about. So I had to I had to do this book, um, but you know I, I'll leave it off with you know what impact you know up to this point Connor McGregor has had on the UFC and his home country and just basically the sporting world in general. I mean, he has made, you know, him and Ronda Rousey, when they were on their rise to fame and, and at the top, I mean, they've, they, they were the household names of the sport. And, um, you know, back in the day, lightweights and featherweights weren't really a thing in the UFC. And now that's like the division people want to you know look at they're not talking about the heavyweights and light heavyweights the discussions more on the on these guys right um and and he's done a lot for that for that weight class he's like i said man he's he's made mma and, and ufc a thing in in ireland and it's 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 a lot more popular now um and he's just got this huge following and he's um he's really done a lot to grow the sport you know he's he's done a lot to you know, the UFC got bought out by WWE, which obviously was a plus for them for, for the money side of things, um, because they're worth a lot. And he's headlined two of the biggest UFC pay-per-views in history. Um, the first one was UFC 205, and then this one, UFC 229. Uh, I was reading on Forbes yesterday, um, you know, doing a little research before I do this. Don't always do the best research, but um, I did find out that he, you know, in three minutes outsold the UFC 205, um, event. In three minutes, in the, for the, for the pre-fight, the pre-fight, um, payment, he, he outsold UFC 205 in three minutes, which is pretty incredible. So he has been the, um, person headlining the two biggest UFC pay-per-views in history, which, not surprising, um, He's definitely. I've, I've I've always dabbled in in liking UFC personally, but um, the nothing like this. Um, I've become somewhat obsessed with it and, and can't stop watching it. And just 
you know, starting to love it more and more each day. And each day I practice martial arts and, um, a guy like Conor McGregor is the reason I even got, you know, this is the reason I really got fully invested and, and interested in it. Uh, I come from a, a basketball background where that's kind of, and, and football, those are the two things that I really uh, spend a lot of time watching and, and talking about when I'm talking about sports with people. Um, now it's all, it's all UFC. That's, that's what I'm interested in. Um, so I, I, I love Conor McGregor. I, I think he's awesome. I don't know him personally. Maybe, you know, you're never supposed to meet your, you're never supposed to meet your idols. I, but um, he's uh, he's he's done a lot for the sport, man. He's he's become a household name, and um, I'm I'm now I'm so fired up for for Saturday. I haven't been able to focus at all this week on anything else other than this fight. I know it's sad, but I cannot wait for it. Um, other than that, um, I'm signing off. Thank you guys for listening. Um, again, you know the the main point for this was. Conor McGregor's rise to the top, you know, from where he came from. Um, that's that's another takeaway is, you know, he could have just done the plumbing thing and and, and lived a meager lifestyle and, and gotten by and, and done average, but he said fuck you to his parents, fuck you to, you know, what everyone else told him and went and pursued his dream and pursued it with vigor and he's where he is now. Um, and that's kind of what it takes 99% of the time for someone to be at where he's at is that attitude and that that mindset I and mean, you do have to have the skill set but that mindset to get to the top um but like i said thank you guys for listening if you've made it this far and we will see you next time